Welcome back to Goth Girl Horror, the official hack slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I am your co-host, Tracy Lux. And tonight we are talking about Hack Slash versus Halloween Man, a one-shot that was produced by Drew Edwards. And Drew Edwards, the creator of Halloween Man, is joining us for this episode of Goth Girl Horror. Thank you for coming on the show with us, Drew. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Drew, for anyone not familiar with who the Halloween Man is, give um, them a the, uh, bit of a uh, lowdown on, on who he is. Well, uh, my elevator pitch that I use at conventions is uh, Halloween Man is best described as the weird adventures of a zombie superhero and a sexy mad scientist girlfriend as they fight everything from vegetarian vampires, space dwarves, the Loch Ness Monster, even the Invisible Man. And, of course, Cassie Hack in uh, this particular issue. But it's uh, it's... You know, it's a kind of a labor of love to both my love of uh, horror, horror comics and horror movies and also, you know, Silver Age comics. I really grew up loving like the, the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four, uh, you know, a lot of those old school Marvel comics because I didn't get to read new comics until I was older. I just had whatever was available in the library. So really the first comics that I fell in love with was the ones from the 60s. and you know, you couple that with, I always really wanted to see, after watching all these monster movies, I always really wanted to see the monster get the girl. Like, you look at, especially, you know, monster movies, the old Universal monster movies, most of them, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, he really just wants to be loved. And by the end of the movie, some jock in, in you know, short shorts ends up killing him. And I just felt bad. So I wanted to, to write a story where the monster was was the good guy. That's really where Halloween Man grew out of. I mean, there's definitely more to it than that. Um, but that could almost take up the entire <laughs> episode. And I know we are here with a very specific topic. And I, I don't want to give you my entire autobiography uh, through this uh, podcast. Not well, that we I mean, wouldn't how mind. You, what, how did you get started in comics? Well, um, you can I give first, us the short version too. So I will give you. I will attempt to give you the Cliff Cliff Notes version. I always wanted to do comics pretty much as soon as I figured out that that was a job you could do. And when I moved to Dallas, one of the first things that I did, and I was right out of high school. I grew up in a very small town called Possum Kingdom. It's a lake here in Texas, and I you know moved to Dallas right after high school and I started hanging out at this local comic store Keith's Comics and there was a lot of local comic book creators there and there was this guy named Malcolm Harris who was starting a company called Maximum Comics and Games and his long-term plan is he wanted to put out a a tabletop role-playing game a superhero game but in the style of Dungeons and Dragons but he put the, to build up to that, he wanted to publish comics set in the world. And I, because I liked horror movies, I was assigned the supernatural character. And I came up with this character, Halloween Man. And about a year or so into developing it, I, I'm a twin. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. I'm a twin. And I was in a terrible car accident that killed my, my twin brother. And... Um, 
the comic book took on this weird significance like after that like it was what made me get out of bed like i firmly believe working on halloween man is what saved my life because i needed something to make me get out of the bed in the morning so you know several months of that i went to malcolm and i was like look i'm gonna i'm gonna buy out my my share of of the company i just want to take my characters and i i want this has become too personal for me to to co-own it with anybody like i i need to to do this on my own and i started self-publishing it as a web comic and the rest they say is is history because here i am almost 21 years later and i'm still i'm still doing it the um <clears throat> I'm I'm <clears throat> sorry. Let me start over. I'm it's sorry okay. to hear about your brother. How long ago did that happen? That was over. That was over 20 years ago. Now we were we were not even 21. It was, um, it was tough, you know. And like I I still deal with a lot of psychological scarring from that. And in fact, like even like the way that Halloween Man looks with this sort of like asymmetrical design where he kind of parts of his body look like a monster and parts of him look like a human that's kind of how I felt like I, I really did you know understand how it felt to be a monster all of a sudden and you know like because my twin was my best friend like I the, the bond there is really really deep and I can't really stress that enough so it's not really something you ever fully get over um no matter how many years but thankfully i had a good support network and i had this i had this outlet which was making making comics and comics are a calling in a lot of ways you know as much as it's a job it's it's something because it's not exactly the easiest industry like it's something you have to really want to do and uh you know comics have been good to me in that respect have you did you um this past weekend did you hear about the movie malignant that opened up i did i've i've wanted to to check it out but i haven't i haven't had the time i'm, I'm busy preparing to go to new york comic-con next month so that's kind of consumed every fiber of my being the last few weeks does stuff with twins especially twins in horror trigger anything for you badly uh it, it might is are you saying that maybe i should be aware before watching that movie yeah so spoiler for anyone listening to this podcast including you charcy okay <laughs> malignant is a james wan directed movie like saw conjuring insidious and aquaman <laughs> of all things on, yeah. on film out um is about a woman who we find out um, is adopted um, because she tells her sister, who always thought she was her biological sister, that, you know, she's known all along that she's adopted. And um, she comes from a, a mother who gave up her child for adoption. And the child is like a conjoined twin of a parasitic, evil, monster, sloth-looking thing attached oh, to her. Oh, wow. And they chop uh, it off. Yeah. They chop it off, but they can't get it completely detached from her. So they push it back inside her brain and close her head around it. And after her husband um, hits her at the beginning of the movie, 
uh, the conjoined parasitic twin emerges as this, like, monstrous serial killer once again. Um, hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she's, like, really beautiful. And then her conjoined twin is, like, this hideous-looking, ugly, hideous creature. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, um, I don't know that that would be triggering, but I, I, might, I might wait until I am in the right mindset. Like, I did have a lot of people tell me to not see Hereditary, despite it supposedly being a really good film. And I have, because they thought it would be upsetting to me, but sometimes... The car sometimes, accident you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, so sometimes things that people think is going to be triggering to me doesn't end up being, but like at the same time, like I do, if I hear something like what you just said, like I do try to be guarded and maybe make sure I'm like in the right mindset. Cause like, oddly enough, actually probably doesn't seem odd to the two of you. Like a lot of the reason why I watch horror movies is to help me with anxiety. Like I don't, I, it doesn't actually make me feel anxious. It actually helps me work through anxiety. In fact, I, I, you know, tends to that tends to be when i i watch horror movies the most you know the most is when i'm at my most anxious and um so you know i'm not saying i'm never going to see malignant but i i i might again i might make sure that i'm like in a right the right mindset yeah right no i understand of course yeah thanks for Uh, the heads up though yeah no it's definitely worth uh checking out and really Fucking weird, let me tell you. Trust me. Oh, I like I like weird. I like weird. weird uh, right, right there for me too. <laughs> um, Charcy, do you have a plot synopsis for Halloween Man? I do, and I just combined the two parts together, which I figured would be and fine. And the comic book I have is like one giant, I think, forty-eight comic book, and it's uh, it was the one that uh, I think you did self-published through by Kablam. Uh, yeah, probably because there's there's. Not a lot of the original printing throwing out there, floating out there. There's the, there's the one that's in the the hack slash omnibus, and I forget which volume that's in. And then there's the ones I've printed up. There was like a really small print run when it like first came out, but gotcha. I haven't seen one of those in close to a decade. <laughs> yeah, I got this on uh, eBay uh, a few years ago, and uh, oh wow, the time that your wife came on the show, so. That's nice. when I had the. Um, that's when I found out about it and uh, hunted it down. I was like, "Oh, this is a hack, hack slash comic book I don't have." So, but Charles, why don't you have the uh, plot synopsis? And so we have Hack Slash vs. Halloween Man, written by Drew Edwards, colors by Mark Lewis, penciled by David Baldion, art direction and letters by Brian J. Crowley, inked by Scott D. M. Simmons, edited by Russell Hill. Hillman and published uh, originally on March 26, 2014. And for the plot synopsis, in this issue, Cassie and Vlad find themselves transported to an alternate earth where there are flying cars and robots. They are taken by a mysterious, mysterious woman who tells them that she needs their help in order to stop a villain called Halloween man. Cassie and Vlad, not realizing that they are being tricked, track down Halloween Man and begin fighting him. He's already in the middle of a battle with several different super zombies who are trying to wreak havoc on his city. Cassie and Vlad decide to fight him as well, not realizing how strong he really is. 
Meanwhile, Morlack, one of Halloween Man's helpers, realizes that there's a serious problem going on. He recruits Halloween Man's girlfriend, Lucy, for help. Cassie and Vlad get in a fight with some of the zombies themselves, and they end up getting a magic shovel from one of them and a robot armor from the other. Cassie suits up in the armor and prepares to battle again. Halloween Man is still fighting several of the zombies and defeating them. Vlad comes along and slices one of the zombies' head in two. Halloween Man wants to call a truce with Vlad and Cassie, but they still mistakenly think he's a slasher. Cassie shows up in her robot armor, and they begin fighting each other again. While the two battle it out, a strange tentacle creature begins to rise from the lake nearby. Since Morlack had warned Lucy that in all the chaos of the fighting, it was feeding the old god known as the Elder in the lake. With Halloween Man and Cassie fighting, their hate and rage was feeding it even more. Morlack and Lucy keep trying to get through to them, and they need to stop fighting. The only way that Lucy is able to get through to them is by talking to Vlad and explaining to him the full situation. Vlad is finally able to stop Cassie from fighting with Halloween Man. Unfortunately, it's a little too late and the Elder has already risen. The mysterious woman who has brought Cassie and Vlad to this alternate Earth shows up and reveals that she has tricked them so that her husband could be revived. Halloween Man ends up eating her. Cassie, Vlad, Halloween Man, Lucy, and Morlock, Morlack are finally working together to come up with a plan to destroy the Lovecraftian-like god. Lucy creates a bomb that Halloween Man will take inside of the creature to blow up its brain. Cassie talks him into letting her help, too. They both suit up and head into the creature's mouth in order to destroy it. While inside the creature, they run into his wife, now in another form. Cassie, still with the magic shovel, keeps her distracted while Halloween Man continues on to the Continues on with the bomb. The creature's wife tries to take over Cassie's body and mind, but Cassie is able to overtake her with the shovel and cuts off her head. Halloween man has made it to the brain. While he sets up the bomb, the group of zombies that he, Cassie, and Vlad had killed earlier have now come back in the form of ghosts. Cassie reaches the brain and fights her way to Halloween man so that she can hit the button on her suit that will teleport them out. They zap out of the Elder just in time before the bomb goes off. In a big explosion, it takes out the creature and all of its minions. In the end of this issue, Cassie and Vlad are teleported back to their own Earth. But before they leave, Morlack erases their memories of being on the alternate Earth. Cassie and Vlad wake up on the ground in a daze, confused about what had happened. When a mysterious creature shows up and tries to recruit their help, Cassie immediately dismisses her and says, They've had enough strange things happening for one day, and they walk away. <laughs> uh, Drew, who the uh, the artist on the book, uh, David Baldion. Baldion. What, yeah, what else has he done? Oh man, at this point, he's done a lot. He uh, he uh, since then he has done. It's funny. There's the spoof of Marvel Zombies in this, and he went on to do Marvel Zombies Christmas Carol. Uh, he has done uh, Scarlet Spider. He did a run on Ghost Rider. He did a run on Domino. Uh, I think he was doing one of the X books with Gail Simone. I could be remembering. Like, what hasn't he done at this point? He has had a really good career since since this one. Like, he's oh, he did Blue Beetle. He did Blue Beetle for a while for DC. Oh, so he's thanks. not just he's not just not just a Marvel boy. He's done. He's done some DC, and I'm I'm probably forgetting stuff, but he's 
I think he was in Gwenpool as well. That that seems like something that he would gel with. Like he's got a good style for for that. But like he's had, he, it's it's been amazing to see um, him grow from from where he uh, where he started with this because you know he's he's he did this one and he, he did one other Halloween Man comic. He did one about the headless horseman, and I always just thought he was phenomenally talented. Like his artwork is is beautiful and i think the the crossover the hack slash crossover is one of the best looking halloween man books like hands down like his work is just gorgeous and you know i remember when he started doing the designs for the superhero zombies like what he did is he he designed them all as regular superheroes first and then he zombified them and i just thought that was like an interesting way to go about it but he's I I I I I'm gonna just keep saying it. He's his his artwork is stunning, and his his work on on this book like really holds up. Having just looked at it earlier today, the um the cover I have uh which has the black border hack slash uh versus Halloween man has Cassie and the Halloween man um leaning in, uh Solomon Hitch right uh yeah. leaning into it, but a lot of blank space behind it. The reason why we did that is that was supposed to look like the Freddy versus Jason poster because when this was initially conceived, that was a relatively recent movie, and we were wanting to, you know, poke poke fun to obviously, uh, you know, a pretty pop what was a pretty popular movie had made a lot of money and. Uh, you know, in retrospect, that might not have been the best use of of David's talent because, you know, as as you know, some things don't age well because you. What's funny on the onset, because you know, people don't necessarily get as much later on. But the the reason why the cover looks like that is it's a spoof of the Freddy versus Jason movie poster. So there's two versions of the cover too, Charcy. You said you have like um. It, you you were you were asking about some company publishing it because I have the black background. Well, I have the black and gray cover, I guess, um, and then there's a purple cover as well. The same exact cover, but it's purple in the background. Is that the yeah. comic that was published by the company that you have, Charcy? Yeah, the one that I have. It says uh, MonsterVerse on it. Yes, MonsterVerse was a, a publisher that that I was with. Uh, for a while, they were started by Carrie Gamble, who is a old school comic book legend, and he published Halloween Man for a few years until actually, strangely enough, he sold the MonsterVerse name to Legendary Pictures so they could call their Godzilla and King Kong movies uh, <laughs> MonsterVerse, which was kind of a weird way for you know my book to be canceled but yeah. yeah they 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 republished the hack slash crossover uh, because the agreement that i had with tim it was very loose is that tim seeley could reprint it anytime he felt like it and i could reprint it anytime we felt like it and it was all very casual and everything it wasn't you know now now i'm sure we would have like stacks upon stacks of of contracts for something. Yeah, like especially with but, Tim getting more and more involved with like DC Comics and things like that. And you know, yeah, he, he put out like three books last year. His his um his star has risen probably tremendously. And oh yeah, uh, if anything ever happens to if anything ever happens to Hack Slash in terms of like a movie a movie or TV cartoon or whatever, 
um, that will definitely hurt any publishing of anyone else's characters because the lawyers will get involved and be like, you can't republish this because it has these characters in it. Like, you know, IDW trying to republish Transformers from Marvel and one issue has like Nick Fury in Dum Dum Duggan and Spider-Man. Yeah. We shall see. There's There has been talk of a hack slash movie for... Ever and ever and ever. We, we, yeah. trust me, we, we had a whole yeah, I'm sure you have. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, we already, yeah, we definitely have gone yeah. over it excessively. <laughs> okay. I, I bet. I have no doubt. With this issue, it, Brian Crowley, who you mentioned uh, earlier, that was, he was really the connective tissue that made this thing happen, is that he was friends with me and he was friends with Tim. He's still really good friends with Tim. Like, I have only met Tim in person like we've talked a lot online, but I've never only met him in person like maybe two or three times, like at conventions. Brian was like, "You two have so much in common. You 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 two need to get to know each other," and that's really how this ended up happening. Because like Halloween Man had existed as a webcomic for about five years prior wow. to Hack Slash. And Brian was the one that was like, the, the, there's a commonality here. You know, the, the comics are different, but they're also, they also have a lot of common. It would be a good, good thing to, to stick them together. Um, and it was, you know, now there's been gobs of crossovers with Hackslash, but at the time that we first started talking about this, there hadn't been any. And so you know, I, I, I feel very fortunate that I was, I was able to do something before the, you know, the crossover stuff became more, more commonplace because, you know, now, now I, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like I, I got to kind of have like first crack because at that point, no one but Tim had written Cassie. So it was a really, it was a really big honor to, to be like only the second person to have written her. And, uh, he he was pretty he was pretty cool about the whole thing like he sent a big series bible you know he, we, we we looked over all of that you know he was very adamant about how he wanted her drawn uh, wasn't you know there wasn't like a whole lot of um he 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 wasn't you know there, there wasn't like a micromanaging kind of thing he really kind of let us do our own thing there was really only one or two things there was like when i put turned in the first script it was like 100 pages long and it was really character driven it was like super character driven i was i was really trying to make like oh this isn't just going to be a crossover i'm going to make a statement i'm going to make a statement about these characters and like there was a side plot where where uh halloween man and cassie uh, switch switch minds and everything and they end up in each other's like mindscapes and you know it was really really crazy and almost almost more grant morrison-esque um and i i remember i gave that to brian and tim and they were like look this this is cool and everything but it doesn't really need to be this you know this it just needs to be more kind of fun and you know get to the get to the fight part quicker and they were absolutely right about that. Like I, I, you know, I wanted to make this something that it didn't necessarily need to be. And basically other than that, the only other thing that he, he really, 
you know, Tim really stayed on me about was getting Vlad's speech pattern right because that was that was more Cassie came pretty easily um Vlad has this whole particular speech pattern and initially I actually really struggled in keeping that true and I don't think I would have gotten there as quickly if it hadn't been for Tim and and Brian um I would have gotten there eventually on my own but it, it definitely you know it's not a natural speech pattern he's got a very specific way of of talking. Kind of nice working with other writers then where ideas and mindsets that you aren't even thinking in the process that somebody else can come along and be like, hey, this is great, but did you think about doing something like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I do comics instead of being a novelist is that I like the collaborative aspect of it you know it's not a solitary act making a comic book you work with other people and this was no different talk about uh some of the uh characters that you parody in this like for instance cassie wearing a freddy shirt and ghostbusters is kind of like homaged in this like cthulhu underground big titty tentacle spewing mouth breathing creature <laughs> thing <laughs> Um, well, obviously, there's the, the Marvel Zombies parody, because that was very, very yeah. popular at the time that this came out. Um, and, you know, I wanted to get in the Freddy Krueger shirt because I had seen some early production art of Hack Slash of, with her wearing a shirt like that, but it never actually ended up in an issue. And I thought that that was like the coolest look for her. So I was like, well, we're actually going to make this canon. She's got a shirt like that. And, uh, you know, the big Lovecraftian monster, you know, I, I, with Halloween Man as a series, I just always saying that I, I want to get in every monster sort of arch archetype that I can. And I hadn't done a big tentacle monster yet. So this was just kind of an, you know, an excuse. And that was really going back to what Tim and, you know, Brian were saying about keeping it fun, you know, so it just became a, everything in the, the kitchen sink. Let's throw as many monsters as we can um, and monsters that Cassie and Vlad wouldn't necessarily go up against, too, like the like the Marvel zombie-esque characters and, uh, you know, a big Cthulhu monster, which she, she, I, I am to understand she has since battled like demons and things like that. But at the time, it was more strictly you know, slash, slasher type characters. You know, I wanted I wanted to change it up because you want to you want to put her in a unfamiliar situation. Otherwise, what's the point of doing a crossover? I'm curious to know what kind of research do you do and how long do you spend researching before you begin working on Halloween man and for any of the extra characters? Well, with this, obviously what I did is I, I went out and I read as much hack slash as I possibly could. Like I bought all of the, the, the trades that were available and all the single issues and everything that was available at the time. Um, with Halloween man, a lot of what I do is research folklore and, or, or movie monsters and things like that. Cause I'm constantly looking for opponents. As you mentioned, when you were describing what happens in the issue, I, my main character eats his villains. So you mm -hmm. have to, you have to come up with a comparable threat that actually feels threatening to something like that. And so I'm constantly scouring like books and movies and, you know, pop culture, looking for a, a new creature idea. Um, 
last year I did a did a um a dinosaur story and I actually like really dug back into my childhood love of paleontology because I, I wanted to make sure that the dinosaurs weren't like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. I wanted to make them, you know, unique to to what Halloween man is. And that's really it. Like I try to make all the creatures and characters even if I'm doing something that exists in you know like vampires or something that's been done a million times, I want to make sure that I'm doing our universe's version of that, not like the the carbon copy of everything else. And that makes sense to me. So that's that's pretty cool. Thank you. Drew, where can people find copies of uh, the Halloween Man? Because we're pretty much running out of time, unfortunately, on the Zoom. It's okay. Um, so the the easiest way to get Halloween Man, the last few years I have been published by Comixology. And in fact, you can get the Hackslash versus Halloween Man uh, crossover for only $1.99 on Comixology. You can read all of our comics on there. Uh, you can order it on Indie Planet if you want a physical copy. Or uh, coming up, you can find me at the small press area of uh, New York Comic Con and come by and say hi and you know pick up some pick up some comics. Awesome. Where can people find you online? Uh, on Twitter, I am HalloweenManCom, all one word. On Instagram, I am Drew underscore Halloween. And if you want to follow Halloween Man on Facebook, it is just HalloweenMan.com. Takes you right to it. And recently, I uh, launched a Patreon, so just look up Halloween Man Comics on Patreon. Awesome. And uh, you can find us at Goth Girl Horror on Twitter or individual Twitters at ChristySAV. And you can find me on my Twitter for Charcy Lux. Or you can send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. This should be posting in time for the beginning of the October month. Halloween awesome. season, and we will be rounding uh, down uh, the rest of the coverage of Hackslash Volume 2, so everyone have a happy Halloween, and two back in two weeks for the next exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash podcast. And thank you for joining us, Drew. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a trip down memory lane that was well worth taking. <laughs> Massachusetts serves traditional and authentic Japanese ramen, Thai noodle soups, and the best chicken wings in the Metro West. Everything's done in-house from scratch, and they use only the highest quality products from small farms. Co-chef owners Papanook and Alan McIntosh combine their culinary skills with traditional Japanese cuisine to create an authentic, amazing flavor in every dish. Located at 1 West Union Street on Ashland, Massachusetts, their phone number is 508 309 3416, or they can be located on Facebook at Dorgan Ramen Ashland and on their website as well, www.dorganramen.com.